over the last few weeks, we've been talking about this idea of rebooting, of restarting. And nothing is more symbolic than that than the start of the school year. Uh, we would do this every time as your kid or if you're a student now. Every year you, you're starting up saying like, all right, brand new year, I'm going to do things differently, right? And this idea of doing stuff differently would become the through line every single year. Uh, I'll do better in school this year. I'll go out for that sports team this year. I'll have different friends this year. And we would do that year after year. As you get older, you kind of have the same idea when you restart as well, right? I, I'll keep that job this year. I won't be as frustrating this year. I won't get as angry this year. I'll be faithful this year. I'll be honest this year. This year, it'll be different. Uh, when I was in high school, I was so caught up in this idea of I want to make it different, that it'll be different. And the best way to do that was to have a gimmick, right? So I, I was in high school. It was my junior year of high school. And I decided, all right, what is the one thing I can do really well that will make this year different than any other year? I'm going to go for best dressed, <laughs> right? I thought, I thought I could pull it off. And not like normally best dressed. Like uh, my parents always dress me up with like a button down or something like that. But it, I was going to go way too far with it. Uh, on the screen, you'll see a picture of me. I was going to be the vest guy. I was so sure that being the vest guy was going to be my thing. It'll make it different. It'll make it better. And to prove that this isn't the only vest I owned, you could go to the next one. I was really the vest guy. I had sweater vests. I, I would dress up. And I just thought that if I repeatedly focused on my looks, I could make this year different. That I could feed into it and I could change it by doubling down. Uh, so I tried for a whole year. But the funny thing about that in, uh, in James 4.4, and it will come up on the screen here, is I ended up making friends with the world as opposed with God. Doubling down on that meant, and it would literally put me in opposition with God. James 4, 4, therefore anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Funny enough, that year, my junior year, I felt the most isolated, the most emotionally detached, I ended up having five or six different relationships in high school during that year alone where I felt the most isolated. I was mentally absent in school. And yes, I had other things going on in my life. But ultimately, I felt the most alone. And truthfully, it wasn't much different from the year before. If anything, I was doing the exact same thing as the year before, just a little louder, with a brighter vest on. 
right? Hey, I was expecting something different. I wasn't communicating with God. I had the same values. So the question was, what was different? Because the vest didn't change it. Even though I was restarting a new year and I was so excited, it was the exact same issues. Uh, we're actually going to be looking at uh, the story of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, and you guys probably know that story really well by now. Hey, it's something that you hear when you're a kid, and I know they did it a few weeks ago in children's church. But as we go through the passage, I, I encourage you guys to just go with me and kind of look at it differently, right? Because this week, for me, I, it changed how I was looking at stuff. And especially if we are going to be really gung-ho about restarting. We owe it to ourselves not to do things the same way. I, I fully believe that God didn't put the world on pause for us to just decide to go back to doing things the same way. He's giving us an opportunity. What we do from that is on us. So uh, jumping to your Bible or, or the Bible app or our Church Together app, uh, we're going to be in the story of Daniel. Uh, Daniel 3, starting at 16 through 18, but just for a little context, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar had erected this idol, right? Commanded the whole town to worship. And as a king, he was able to do that. He was able to put out a decree uh, and tell people, this is what you're doing. And so I'll, I'll read from the verse before and, and we'll get into it. Furious King Nebuchadnezzar ordered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be brought in. When the men were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar asked, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? that you didn't respect my gods and refuse to worship the gold statue that I have set up. I'm giving you a second chance. From now on, when the big band strikes up, you must go to your knees and worship the statue I have made. If you don't worship it, you'll be pitched into a roaring furnace, no questions asked. Who is the God who can rescue you from my power? Right? So this is the context that we're going to be going into. He's made this decree, and he's told them that, hey, here's your opportunity. Kind of makes it sound like I'm a caring guy, right? I'm, I'm a caring guy, so here's your second chance. I'm going to give you this situation where you'll have an opportunity to worship and do things the way that I want them to be done. And in their lives, the king was the most important person because, or for the people who was there, because he had the power to influence and change their day-to-day -day life based off the words that he spoke. He was someone who had the ability to impact and change things around him, and for them personally. And so as people, we could take a lesson from this on monitoring who you allow to speak into your life. We have to monitor who we allow to speak into our lives. All of us 
have a Nebuchadnezzar. We all have someone that if we allow to, with their words and their actions, can impact and influence how you act day to day. They exist. They're your friendships, your relationships. We all have circles of influence, so it's naive to think that other people can't influence us back. It happens. There are people that we elevate, voices that we find important, friendships, right? Every friendship, intimate relationship you enter into has some power. The summer of my junior year, funny enough, I started hanging out with uh, different kids who were a lot more affluent than I was. And their focus was on more materialistic things. How you looked, what you wore, the things you bought. And I would love to say, oh, they were just saying things, but by the picture you saw, clearly I took on their values. Their words were starting to influence and shape my life and my actions. We all have a Nebuchadnezzar. So in verses 16 through 18, and, and I love this, complete side note, I think this is so cool. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered King Nebuchadnezzar, your threat means nothing to us. That sounds like a movie line, right? Opening scene, it's like, it means nothing. And I, lo- I love that. If you throw us in the fire, the God we serve can rescue us from your roaring furnace. And anything else you might cook up, O king, but even if he doesn't, it wouldn't make a difference. We would s- still wouldn't serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. Right, right in the face of their king says, no, I'm good. I, w- I wouldn't do that. And it doesn't matter what you threaten me with. I know what I'm praising and who I love. Friendships, relationships, they're like conversations. At some point, we are going to respond in action or in word. Right? There's not a one-sided friendship. There's not a one-sided relationship that doesn't exist. You have a choice in how you respond. Because as people are speaking into your life, as they speak around you, as they do things around you, there will come a point where you have to respond. So how are you going to respond? Are you going to respond by beginning to mimic them? Doing what they say because they hold influence, because they hold power? Because you want them to like you? Or do you respond from a place that says God is king? That it is more important for me to be in line with God than to make you happy. Right? Being in that place is hard. And I love to say I, I, <laughs> I make the right choice every time, but I don't. Which is why it becomes so important that we monitor the voices we allow to speak into our lives. And I recognize that we can't cut bait on every relationship that we have. We, we can't just snap our fingers and change the dynamic. I get that. We, we can't all do that. 
but you control how you respond. You control what you say, who you praise, and whether or not people know it. Each and every one of us has that ability. And so if we're looking at restarting to start something new, to start a new school year, if we want it to be different, we got to start monitoring who speaks into our lives and how we respond. That has to be different. Or you're just going to be doing the same thing in a brighter vest, right? Second thing, we have to start to evaluate what we value. If I asked you guys, what, what are the things you find most important? What are the things you hold dear? Things might start showing up in your head. Uh, my family, my job, my God, school. Granted, I'm sure some of the students would not put school right there. But we, we start this list, right? Uh, going back to the story, Nebuchadnezzar, his face purple with anger, cut off Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace fired up seven times hotter than usual. He ordered some strong men from the army to tie them up, hands and feet, and throw them into the roaring furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, bound hand and foot, fully dressed, from head to toe, were pitched into the roaring fire. Because the king was in such a hurry and the furnace was so hot, flames from the furnace killed the men who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to it, while the fire raged around Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were willing to get uncomfortable for the things they cared about. They were willing to be in pain, to be in discomfort, knowing that it wasn't going to be easy. They were willing to do it. So let's change the question. What are you willing to get uncomfortable for? Some of you guys in your head might have changed your list a little bit, right? Said, uh, I'm not really willing to get uncomfortable for that thing. I'm not willing to step out of my comfort zone here or anything else. But the question again is, what are you willing to get uncomfortable for? I, what's cool is in the previous line, they end up saying, but even if he doesn't save us. For Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, it wasn't about being saved, it was about being faithful, which is very, very different. It's about this relationship that you're continuing with your God, not with the expectation that everything's going to change around you, but just knowing that you're with him. And so when I think about things I'm willing to get uncomfortable for, Sometimes, to be honest with you, it is not the best list or it's not as long as I would like, right? A lot of us are looking to restart and we, we say we really value God, but we're not willing to get uncomfortable in prayer. We value our families, 
but we're not willing to get uncomfortable and really carve out specific time to be with them. We value our jobs, but we're not willing to get uncomfortable and learn a new skill. Right? We value school, but we won't ask for help. We have all these different things, and we've decided here's the box. I don't have to grow. I don't, I don't have to let God use me in this. I don't have to push myself. I don't have to be uncomfortable. But if we're looking to restart and we're not willing to get uncomfortable, aren't we just recreating the same thing? Are we just now back in the pattern of doing it over and over again, just changing the colors on it? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego realized that what they value and evaluating what they value meant getting uncomfortable. Because that's the only time growth was going to happen. And they were willing to stake their lives on that. So what are we willing to get uncomfortable for? Are you intentional about being uncomfortable? Are you willing to grow? Third thing. We have to change how we pray. We have to fundamentally change how we pray. Uh, looking down, and, uh, and I'll read through it, starting at 25. But look, he said, I see four men walking around freely in the fire, completely unharmed. And the fourth man looks like the son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar went to the door of the roaring furnace and called in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the high God, come out here. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walked out of the fire. All the important people, the government leaders and king's counselors, gathered around to examine them and discovered the fire had not so much as touched the three men. Not a hair singe, not a scorched mark on their clothes, not even the smell of fire on them. Nebuchadnezzar said, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel and rescued his servants who trusted in him. They ignored the king's orders and laid their bodies on the line rather than serve or worship any God but their own. Therefore, I issue this decree. Anyone, anywhere of any race, color, or creed who says anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be ripped to pieces limb from limb and their houses torn down. There has never been a God who can pull off a rescue like this. See, a lot of times the way that I pray, I pray to change a circumstance. I pray for God to remove me from a situation, to change the situation, change everything around me. Sometimes I'll do the polite thing in my prayer and I'll say, if it is your will, just as like a cordial thing, but I don't really mean it. What I'm really saying is, if it is your will, but it's in line with my will as well, let's do that thing. Right? It becomes about putting out the fire. And 
these verses, though, God didn't do that. The fire was burning. It was hot. Now, it's not that God didn't have the power to shut off the furnace. It's not that he didn't have the power to remove those three out of the flames. But you see, it was a different necessary thing that had to be done. Because it was more important that God was with them than it was for him to change everything around it. Because had he turned off the flames, had he removed them, would Nebuchadnezzar's reaction be the same? Think about that. This was a king who literally, verses earlier, had a statue made. You don't just do that. And you have to be willing to convince the other people around you of that. But God recognized in that moment that if I leave them in the flame, and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego understood if they allow God to use them in the flames, that it was powerful, that it would change his whole perspective. A man who at that moment had everything. You change it like that. And so as we reboot, as you restart, as you get ready for school, as you're starting your new job, whatever it is, times are going to get hard. They're going to be difficult. They'll be frustrating. You'll feel stretched. But are you asking God to use you in a moment or are you asking him to change it? Change what's around you. And they're fundamentally different things because when you ask God to purely just change the situation and take it out, that's ultimately a prayer of selfishness. You've made that moment about you and your comfort. But if you ask God to use you in it, that's a prayer of submission of turning something over, of not knowing whether or not it's going to work out, but saying that, God, I'm here for you, period. If we're looking to restart, if we're looking to start something new, it has to be different. We have to change the voices that speak into our lives and be willing to respond first and foremost with God. We have to be willing to evaluate our values, get uncomfortable, grow, stretch ourselves. And we got to change how we pray. Because our God is so important that we know that if he uses us, it'll be great and miraculous. And for our students going out there, I know that the school year can be scary. For some of you, it might be exciting. It might be really different. But God has the intention of using you. God loves you enough and thinks you are so cherished that if given the opportunity in submission, amazing things will happen.
To adults, surprise, it's the same thing. So I encourage us to lean into that. Really look at the voices in our lives, evaluate our values, and take the time to pray differently in a prayer of submission.